there hasn't been representation for mm. us, which means that the cultural nuances that we face and struggle within our communities have never been considered at the table. My name is Nick Nagarko and you are locked into Culture TV. For the culture, by the culture. Let's go. Did you see the candidates this year? Fair London? Yeah, there were two YouTubers on there. Did you, did you guys see? I was like, are you serious? It was, it was a joke. I, saw, I didn't... They I, didn't make it very far, but the Sadiq fact that only they, just won, didn't he? Yeah, barely. There was a close run between him and yeah. Sean Bailey, but... Um, what do you make of Sadiq Khan? Um, I prefer him over the competition. <laughs> if, that's, if that's what I've got to choose against, you know? We're not um, given much choice here, are we? I mean, in my, we're in Manchester, we've got Andy Burnham. Everyone know, who watches this show knows I'm a fan of Andy Burnham, obviously. Um, so, would I pick Andy Burnham if there was another option? Probably would. I like Andy Burnham. I do like him. I think he's... I think he's because I've met him a number of times, spent time with him. Mm -hmm. He's actually the guy that you see on TV. He's, he's, he's exactly the same. So from that basis, I do like him. But as a general rule of thumb for politics, what do I think? I don't know. Like, We're not given mu much of a good option, are we? We're not. I think it's difficult because when you don't have representation, that makes yeah. it even harder. Because um, I think for London, Sadiq Khan... It was refreshing to have him there because at least he represents the South Asian community. Yeah. And that's as close as we've gotten to having our voices heard. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just other people trying to speak. How on well do you think he represents the South Asian community? Better than someone who's not South Asian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's been the problem over the years. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been representation for mm. us, which means that the cultural nuances that we face and struggle within our communities have never been considered at the table. Yeah. So if we want to have our problems remedied, it means that we have to have our voices at those tables. Don't you tables. think that's crazy? Because if you think, like when my dad came to this country from India in 1963 or four. Came, he was, he was a kid when he came. Mm -hmm. And if you think, so as a population, South Asians have been here in mass numbers for 50, 60 years yeah. now. And the fact that we don't really have proper representation at a decent level yeah. is quite, wait, it's crazy. It's concerning. It is concerning, yeah. Like, I'm British born, you're yeah. British born, yeah. and we still don't have our voices heard. What's your background? Tables. I'm Punjabi. Right. So I was born into a Punjabi family. My yeah. parents are from India. Yeah. Moved to England in the 70s. Yeah. My dad Second came, wave. Yeah. yeah. My dad was like, he was about 14 when he came here alone, yeah. and he was the first out of his family. Yeah. Um, he moved in with his uncle, who mm -hmm. was kind of his mentor, set up his whole family here worked his backside off like yeah. crazy and he had like what five or six siblings yeah called over all of his siblings and his parents yeah and he was the sole breadwinner put them through school through university mm -hmm. got them all married yeah and that's who he was he was a grafter he just worked so hard yeah. from his teen years my dad's story is very similar very very similar most immigrants are yeah they, they came here and they just worked their work ethic was impeccable yeah People don't if you like think what, what South Asians have achieved in the United Kingdom, it's 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 incredible. Yeah, 
as a community, as a society of people, and we were just saying off camera before, it must be, if you include the halves, like me, we must be about 8% of the population. Most probably, yeah. Which is between 5 and 8%. You could, you, could, you could bet a good 6 million people, 5 million people, say I might be fluffing up these figures a bit, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to nod. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Don't quote me on these figures. But a good few million people, at least, mm -hmm. come from a South Asian background yeah. in the UK. And it's crazy that for that amount of people who live here for that amount of time do not have real, solid, firm, established representation at the highest levels. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree. That's, that's part of the pain because you don't... So I'm British Punjabi or British Sikh, whatever you want to call me, yeah. um, because I, I really own my, my Punjabi heritage. I, I'm committed to my faith, which is the Sikh faith. Yeah. And I'm, I'm born in England and, you know, my citizenship is British. I don't feel like I belong here. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I belong in India. Yeah. So it's like, who am I? And that was a big struggle as a teenager yeah. because here I'm being called a Paki and a this and a that and yeah. go back to your own country. I'm like, hang on. Which this is my country. <laughs> this is where I was born. Where do I go? Where do yeah. you want me to go? You know, yeah. and you go to India and you, you're trying to interact with your relatives there and they see you as foreign. Like, oh, you don't know our struggles here. Yeah. You don't even know your language. You don't know your culture or your heritage. Yeah. And they're shooing you out and here they're shooing you out. And you're like, you know, yeah. where do I go? Yeah. So if we, if we don't have representation in our own countries of citizenship, yeah. where do we belong? Exactly. If our voices aren't being heard yeah. and our our problems aren't being yeah. provided solutions. The fact that we don't have representation has allowed certain people in society like who have ended up being, having their citizenship revoked or, or whatnot because there isn't a structure in place to, to protect South Asian British citizens in a sense. Um, would, you, would you agree with that? Yes, I mean, for me, that hits onto a really raw nerve of mm -hmm. mine. I don't know if you heard of uh, somebody called Jaggi Johal. No, I haven't. Okay, so this is a British citizen. Yeah. Um, I think he was from Scotland, or is from Scotland, should mm -hmm. I say. And uh, born and raised in the UK. Yeah. Went to India, uh, I think it's been about three or four years ago, to get married. Yeah. Went there to get married and got arrested by the police. Yeah. And has been held in Indian police custody since then. Why? Um, under accusations of terrorism. There, There is no proof, there is no evidence of anything. Wow. And the British government haven't done anything to extradite him back. He's a British citizen. And Born and raised here? Yep. And the British, British, have British him home. citizenship. Nope, they haven't brought him home. And it has been appealed in Parliament. It has appeal, it's been appealed to government. Mm -hmm. Most of the youth in England, mm -hmm. the, the Punjabi and Sikh youth, yeah. are still protesting about this and still trying to get his... They're fighting for his rights. Yeah. If that's how expendable we are, just because our skin is yeah. brown or we've got roots in another country as mm -hmm. well, what does that say about where we fit into this government or into I think this system? The, I, I think that if you are not of extended British heritage or white British heritage, mm -hmm. there is an element of second-class citizenship here. When it's this expendable, 
How how frightful is that? Have you seen the road to Guantanamo? Have I seen the the film, the road to Guantanamo? I haven't. About the four four lads from Birmingham, around somewhere near Birmingham, um, from the Midlands anyway. They went to they went to Pakistan for a wedding just after 9-11. Stupid time to go. Very stupid time to go. And then he went to Afghanistan on some sightseeing tour. Again, stupid thing to do. But innocent enough, like they're just yeah, four they're teenagers, mm -hmm. like driving around and they end up getting picked up by the Northern Alliance and shipped over to Cuba, to Guantanamo Bay, where I think they spent, how long was it cast? Five years? Longer than that. That's, that's horrendous. For me, that's frightful. Just last year, there were five young Sikh men mm -hmm. from the Midlands whose houses were randomly raided. Oh, randomly. Yeah. And um, there were these charges or allegations put against them where the Indian government is trying to get these five British citizens yeah. taken to India so that they can, you know... Uh, Extradited to face charges there? Yes. Wow. Yes. And people were trying to fight against that. And what's the British and this government is saying? There was a point, uh, and I believe that it's being taken to court at the moment. I don't have the full details like off the top of my head. Yeah. But there was a point where it was being taken to court because the government were about to hand these these British citizens over. Right. And this for me, like we're in the 21st century. Exactly. If this can happen now, mm -hmm. what does that say about our future? Mm -hmm. So if, you know, when, when we're having families in this country, our kids, are they going to be safe mm -hmm. here or are they going to be at risk of the same thing? If someone throws, you know, a random allegation, a terrorism yeah. allegation, all of a sudden all the red flags go <laughs> off well, there's, there's and then no you're going to get shipped off to those countries. Why is it that only happens to us? Mm. If those allegations were against somebody of white heritage, would it be the same? Or is their life more valuable than somebody who is of color? Mm -hmm. If the Indian government asked to extradite five white British citizens, oh, would, the laughed at. would the government have agreed? No. Would, would there be people fighting for them to say, please don't send them over there because that's inhumane? It wouldn't even, it wouldn't even get to that point of people having to fight that they would just say, are you crazy? No. But at the moment you've got some color in your skin, mm -hmm. it's okay. Yeah. And that's what it feels like, which is, it's painful because you just it's feel, also, you, you constantly is, feel othered and you don't belong. It's backward. It's okay. 2021. Mm -hmm. And at what point, I mean, the fact is there is no race. This is the, the scientific fact behind all of this is there is only one race, which is a human race. The only difference mm. between human beings is melanin in the skin. That is it. Yep. And that is based off where ancestrally you grew up. If you lived further north, you needed more vitamin D, therefore your skin was paler to absorb more sunlight. If you lived in hotter climates, your skin was darker because you didn't need it and you needed protection. That is it. That is it. And it's 2021 and we're still having this debate where you, can, you. <laughs> where you can pocket people based off how your skin reacts to the sun, for God's sake. It is absolutely pathetic. It is. And I think it is, going back to what we were saying politically, I think it's kind of crazy that we've got someone in power, as in the prime minister, who has openly said a lot of these crazy, outrageous, very... <clears throat> 1800-esque statements mm -hmm. 
in public and now he's the prime minister of the country mm -hmm. and i just feel like i mean the western world if we just look at the uk and america has become so wildly wildly polarized and this is not helping the cause like but this. That's just be because the leadership in most of the major countries has projected that narrative. Mm -hmm. um, Trump, you know, oh gosh, I don't even know what to say about <laughs> him. What he opened up in America for people of color mm -hmm. was was hell-like. Yeah. Hate crimes against all colored people, mm -hmm. people who were not white, went up like crazy. Mm. The hate crimes against Sikhs were out of the roof. Anybody who was not, who was not white, basically. Yeah. Well, cause he's on freaking <clears throat> Twitter saying it. Yeah. But this encouraged people who had been hiding in the shadows and maybe, you know, everybody has elements of racism in them. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that colored people are not racist. We are racist. Yeah. But how it's projected and how we treat other people is very different to how a, a white person who is racist treats somebody of color. Mm -hmm. And when you take somebody's life just because of the color of their skin, mm -hmm. that's very immoral, that's wrong, that's horrendous, that's not humane. No. And when your government or your leadership is encouraging that behavior by not condemning it, mm -hmm. that's what makes well, it scary. How he, I mean, if we, if we reference George Floyd for this, for, for, for the sake, for argument's mm -hmm. sake, now, any rational <clears throat> human being can see that was first degree murder. And it was just murder. It was cold blatant, blood. cold blooded yeah. murder. He leant on the guy's neck until he died. Mm -hmm. And whether he knew or didn't know that he was killing him, I don't care. You're leaning on a guy's neck who's screaming for his mum. Right. At what point, you know, some screams for the mum, they're dying. Yeah. Uh, it's a known fact when someone starts screaming for their mom. I said this on another show. It's it's part of your brain, like going into ultimate survival mode. Hmm. And the fact that this caused such outrage across the planet that the president of the United States can't stand up and condemn a murder. The fact that it was he was murdering a black person was the only reason in my opinion, that he did not want to stand up and condemn that murder because for fear of pushing away his pro-white audience, mm -hmm. as in the Proud Boys mm -hmm. and these people in the Deep South and the Bible Belt who've kept him in power and given him favor, which gave him, you know, he got a lot of votes in that last election. He did. He got a wild amount of votes wild amount that's of what votes. makes it scary though doesn't it yeah that these people are now coming out of the shadows and they um i think there was um last year there was a public celebration of mm -hmm. the kkk where you haven't heard <sighs> of them for so many decades but a now public celebration they, yeah they came out to celebrate they're saying wow. if if black people can protest publicly for black lives matter then we can we can celebrate our beliefs as well and it's, they just don't it's get frightful. It, do they? It's it's frightful. It do really they not realise that like it was 150 <clears throat> years ago that they had black people as slaves, and that this stems <laughs> from a deep, deep crime against humanity yeah. that has lasted. The impact of that doesn't just you don't just wash that away. 50 years ago, black people still didn't have the vote in right. America. 
I think the level of compassion differs from these experiences. Mm-hmm. When you've only been born and raised in a particular culture, whatever culture that is, yeah. um, you are going to favor those values. Yeah. They have been passed down to you and they are they make up your DNA essentially. Yeah. Changing that is like changing who you are. Mm-hmm. That can only evolve if you're willing to see somebody else as human. Yeah. But if you've been told that these people are not human, mm-hmm. this was the premise of colonization. Mm-hmm. The white people went to save anybody who's not white. Yeah. They were civilized yeah. and they went to these savages, the people yeah. of India, the people of uh, Africa. They Australia. went to these they went to these savage like mm. people mm. because we lived off the land we respected earth we respected nature and the process of it and they brought us civilization they came to save us this was the perception this is what the history books say yeah. about the colonizers and <clears throat> if you look at how um black people were treated during the slave era in the us it was the same mm-hmm. they were seen as being animal like yeah. that they don't have dignity they don't have the same value of life as yeah. a white person yeah. and the fact that that mindset still exists and what we're talking about in terms of representation and and how our colored lives or our colored bodies are expendable mm-hmm. compared to a white body mm-hmm. that is what is problematic mm-hmm. that is what is frightful because no one's changing that narrative yeah. you've got your you've got your nonsense of people now trying to do this diversity and inclusion what is diversity how are we supposed to address that we shouldn't need to have these committees now forming in every large corporate organization yeah. because they forgot about us beforehand yeah. they didn't let brown people climb the ladder yeah. you don't see them sitting at you don't see colored people or even enough female people sitting at the CEO or the executive boards of any of these organizations. So mm-hmm. we've been forgotten at those points. And now, because the incident of George Floyd woke up the world, yeah. literally woke up the world, yeah. now everybody's kind of shaking in their boots. Like, oh, shit, we've got to get to the table yeah. as well. Make but sure we don't get sued exercise. for that. It is, which is why I'm saying that it's it's stupid. Mm. Diversity shouldn't be a thing that we should be trained for when you've had multicultural communities coexisting for so long. Is, is the problem that, I mean, I'm from Manchester. You're originally from, from Birmingham. Birmingham. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, we're from big cities, big mm-hmm. multicultural cities. And you know, I say this a lot, that I feel like growing, being born and raised in South Manchester, I've grown up around everyone. There's been no, there's been white people, black people, Asian people, Irish, black, there's been everything and everyone and everyone's always, there hasn't been, there's been a natural blend of everyone in my friend group. Uh, my friend group is mix, is a big mix of uh, South Asians, black people, black origin people mm. and white British people. Have you ever experienced racism? Yeah, heavily as a child. Like, can you talk about it? Uh, yeah, when um, so when primary school, I went to a primary school in, um, in in South, well, in Stockport it was, and that was a bit. Then, it was a bit. It wasn't as multicultural as it is now, mm-hmm. and I was the only non-white kid in my class. And um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I experienced quite a lot of it. That was when I was like five years old. Um, then I left that school and I went to another one mm-hmm. a bit closer to home and that was fine 
and I had a, I had a great time at that school, I loved it. Um, but the first one, yeah, that was um, pretty bad. So when you judge somebody from, like, you know, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but we all do, mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't want to be offensive, but if you hadn't have told me mm -hmm. that you're multi-raced, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. I would have just thought you are white. Oh, really? That's the truth, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. I'm saying if I was to judge a book. Yeah. Um, for for me like the experience of growing up with brown skin mm -hmm. and looking different mm -hmm. and like every we were oh my gosh we were the cliche indian family yeah we had a little corner shop yeah <laughs> <laughs> went to school smelling like curry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only perfume i could afford um and my brothers you know they they were brown skinned long hair they wore uh, top knots because yeah. they were you know at that time they were young it was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. And it was it was either survive or mm -hmm. die. There wasn't an in-between. It was like either you gotta know how to fight back and stand up to this, or you become their bitches basically. Yeah. And you let them own you. Mm -hmm. There was there was no in-between. There was no compassion from those people who were being so violent and aggressive. Young people, mm -hmm. they didn't care. They were just, they were trolling, they were bullying, they were um, like vandalizing. So we'd have our shop windows broken, stuff thrown at the shop. My mom would have to deal with all sorts. She had broken English, but she she held her own, you yeah. know? And this was every single day. It was really? at school and it was at home and it wow. was on the way from uh, school or going to the shops or whatever. It was it was everywhere because we, we obviously looked different. Mm -hmm. It's not like there weren't other Indian families in the area, but they became submissive. Mm -hmm. They became just like, you know, if somebody says something to them, they're gonna hide in the shadows. And we had a business to run as well. So if we became submissive, we would have lost business. Yeah. I was a child at this time. So now I'm, I'm interpreting my parents' behavior and what they did. But if my dad hadn't have shown us how to fight back or hold our ground, I would have equally just stepped into the shadows, just like my friends did and said, okay, when somebody says, when someone calls you a packy or, you know, a towel head or whatever, mm -hmm. you just ignore it and you let it become normal. Mm. But my dad was like, no, you don't, you don't, that's, that's not okay. You, you say something back or you ask them to stop or you make them stop. Yeah. And that, that's a different experience. Most of the people in my school were white. I was one of the like few brown people there in primary school and even in secondary school as well. Mm. So I, I think that how how we grow up as children and yeah. those experiences they really change how yeah. we see the world when we grow up and for me it it's no different do you think that experience is what's led you down the path that you're on now 100% 100% because um if i wasn't if i hadn't experienced racism i wouldn't have questioned my heritage am I British or am I Punjabi? Like, which one of these am I? Yeah. And it wouldn't have encouraged me to actually research and learn more about my heritage and my roots and, you know, the land of India. And I absolutely adore the heritage have of India. Been? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I go before COVID. I'd go several times a year. In fact, that was one of my last trips before COVID hit. 
um, but at least twice in a year right. I'll go back there. To the Punjab or do you go to different places as well? I definitely go to Punjab at least once a year. I have yeah. to. That's where my heart beats. Yeah. Um, but I I love visiting the south as yeah. well to like Kerala yeah. and that part of India is yeah. gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I've been to Bombay quite a lot of times. Yeah. I actually yeah. haven't been much to Bombay. It doesn't really appeal to me, but... It's amazing, you know. Is it really? Yeah. And when I first went as a kid, I hated it. Like when I went, I went when I was eight and I was like, it was, it was just a shoot. It was a huge culture shock for me. Especially coming from my, like living with my mum eating pizza and chips and then like <laughs> going there and it's real curry. It's, like, oh, it's not like it's not go. like what you get here. It's like it's, spice level yeah, out the roof. <laughs> yeah, so all my my dad's sisters and that were cooking for me and it was like it was a that was a new experience. But then the first time I went, I didn't enjoy it mainly because of food and just because I was. How scared were you sitting in a car? I was all right with it, you know. Really? I was all right How with it. How they drive, you were all right you know, with it. No, only when I was older did I get scared. As a kid, <laughs> I was fine. You know what, I'll tell you what, I went, when I, I went when I was about 14, just me and my dad went, and we, I went to Pune, and then we got a coach from Pune to Bombay. <laughs> uh, I was terrified. They drove over the mountains. <laughs> just right, right on the edge. <laughs> right on the edge. And it's like, you're looking out of the window, and all you can see is the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. And it's like, they're, they're ragging this the ragging this culture on these cliffs 50 miles an hour yeah these roads are not designed they are for... not there's no barriers nah. there's no safety measures yeah i remember i remember i remember praying to god on that coach see that's why people in india are spiritual <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no I, I love it there i can't wait to get back it's for i've got a little girl now so i want to take her oh bless have you been to punjab i've never been to I've, the furthest north i've been is marbalashwa okay you need to go to Punjab. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I do. I really do. I need to see more of it. I only ever go to Bombay and like Pune when my granddad was alive. But yeah, no, I do. I really do. I want to go. I want to go and see the South as well, like Kerala. And not, I've not been there yet. Okay, I'll be your tour guide. Yeah. All right, it's a deal. <laughs> no, I'd love we'll to. It up. I'd love to go there. I'd love to go it's, there. It's such a magical place. It's as every country has the positive and negatives so yeah. you know the government i think is where the negatives come in everywhere that's where the system fails but when you look at the land and the people and the yeah. culture there's so much richness yeah even where there isn't like material yeah. wealth yeah you see the richness in their joy yeah. and in how they live yeah and they're, they're getting on with life yeah they're really you know just making the most of it they love having a good time they love yeah. singing they love their food yeah Life doesn't get any better yeah. than that, right? You know, it's crazy. I went to see where my dad was born mm -hmm. um, in this like little village called Malagar. In um, it's like sort of not not. It's like the it's in Maharashtra, but like the north part sort of thing. Okay. And um, so we went to this village, and it is like a proper proper bit. Like it's a proper like it's like a film. Like it was a proper. What does village. it look like? Um, it was it was like going five hundred years back in time. <laughs> The electricity was was here and there. They had water from the well. Mm -hmm. um, the roof was made of was a thatched roof. The walls were made of mud. It was like it was all, it was mad. And to see where my dad wow. was born in the corner of this room, oh. and he said, "This was he goes, this is where I was born here." I was like, "Where?" He goes, "Here." I went, "What? There?" He's like, "Yeah, like literally there." And it was like, "Wow!" And just to see how far he's come from, from that. But they like seeing his so his family on his mum's side. They still live there. It's still their house. Wow. They're still in. They're still in that village. How did it feel being there? Um, 
especially like you having been brought up in the West and yeah. now you go there and you see yeah. where your dad well, came from. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you said that you thought I look like a white guy when I'm over there. There's no, there's no, there's no, I am a white guy over there. <laughs> I mean, here, some people think different things, but over there, there's like, nah, you're a white guy, especially over here, you're a white guy. So I do stick out like a sore thumb uh-huh. out there. So it's, it's difficult because everyone stares at me. Mm. They stare, I mean, they probably stare at you because you would look very westernized. Yeah, they can tell. They, they have a tell. radar, yeah. even when you dress like them. Yeah. So when I go, I'll, I'll, I'll be wearing Indian clothes yeah. and I'll try to yeah. blend in. They'll see your shoes oh or something. They, they'll see something. They, they have an eye. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you're from outside? And I'm like, nope, I'm from uh, the village around the corner. <laughs> but they'll catch me. And I'm like, oh, they've got this radar. I don't yeah. know what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know what's mad? When I was in, when, when I, when I went, first went to Bombay as an adult, when I was like, I'd been as a kid a couple of times, but then when I went, when I was like 19 or 20 or something and seeing like, you know, all the little kids coming and asking you for money. Mm. And this time I'm an adult. So I'm not, I'm not like a kid with my dad saying, no, like, no, don't give him anything. It's now it's my choice to give or not mm-hmm. to give to them. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was quite conflicting because I know they're not supposed to give them anything, but my heart just wants to give them something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I know it's just going to some, to some like some gangster somewhere. But you're seeing them there begging, please, please, buy, help me. Like I mean, it's like, mm. yeah. What do you do? It's a hard one, man. It's, it's a hard one. Like it still messes with me when I. I mean, even now, like begging's become a thing in England. I know. And oh, it's so hard. I find it a lot easier to say no in England. Really? <laughs> yeah, I find it because e- I just think. Because of the benefit system that we have here, mm. I mean, I don't know. It's, I might sound a bit harsh saying that because I don't know. I don't know if everyone's getting benefits, but I do. I just think because it's a rich country, I just I find it easier to 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 say. And because I know so much of so much of it is a scam. So if you were to see a homeless person, yeah, would you offer them anything? Yeah, I say I buy you food. I always do that. Like I always do that. I'll always offer to buy them food or drinks or. But when you're at the traffic lights and they try to clean your windows? They don't try and clean my windows. They just come to the door and try and put their hand in the window. Oh, really? Yeah, it's Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> okay, London's a bit more civilised. <laughs> no, they just try and put their hand in the window. Just, just, yeah, no, I don't. And half of them, like, it's very difficult to see who's in a genuine situation yeah. and who's just smoked enough crack to put themselves in that situation. And yeah. drug problems are not one thing that, you know, there's a there is a reason that, and there is rehabilitation needs, like rehabilitation resources that the country needs to provide for those people. That's one issue. Mm-hmm. But then there's people who just literally had an unlucky an unlucky go of it and they've ended up on the street. But it's how yeah. do you differentiate between different people? And I think- It's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I mean, in India, it really, really messed with me at the beginning. I was like you. Yeah. That you just, you want to give them anything you've got or everything you've got. Yeah. Because you don't want anyone to be suffering. Yeah. Right? Um, And I've I've had many bad experiences uh, where my heart kind of took the better of me and and I gave to one within seconds there was a stampede surrounding me (laughs) and I was like holy shit how do I get out of here and then you just it's like you have to switch and they hit on all of the the wrong buttons like now 
I have to try not to get irritated because they're so persistent. Yeah. Um, I went to the Barseb, the Golden Temple, yeah. uh, last year yeah. when I was there, and I was walking it towards the towards the Gurdwara, and I was like in my mode, like yeah. just zoning into my spiritual self, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. you know, bring out your best self, be all holy, you know, like you do, <laughs> right? And I'm walking up, and then out of nowhere. Yeah. Someone starts tapping me and I thought maybe it's someone I know because, yeah. you know, you don't yeah. just go and touch someone you don't know. Yeah. And it's um, a lady who's begging and she was like, she was older than me, yeah. uh, wearing the sari and everything. And, um, you know, like they do the whole please, yeah. please. And yeah. they'll uh -huh. call you sister, like Didi, Dede, Kush, like give yeah. me something. Yeah. And I was like, dude, do you have to do it here? Yeah. And then they bring in all of the... We're going to curse you if you don't give us anything. Oh. And if you do give us something, we'll give you blessings. I was like, sod off. Yeah, nah, don't <laughs> like start just, coming with the curses. Do you know? <laughs> I was like, sod off. And it just, it really messed with my mojo. Because I was like, I was so into like going and yeah. meditating because I hadn't been for so long. And this was what I encountered on the pathway there. Yeah. I was like, man, you just messed with my vibe. You know what? Have you seen... I don't know if this, I don't know if the, if these people are are in the Punjab as well, but in Bombay, there's like this. There's a group of people who, at birth, they have the genitals cut off, right, and they're neither well, they class themselves as neither male or female. Yeah. So anyway, I'm on the train one time in in Bombay with my cousin, and um, so this like f female looking person comes to me and they start ask, starts asking me for for money. And so I'm pretty seasoned, this is the last time we went a few years ago, I'm pretty seasoned at saying no by now. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, no, and then my cousin's like, nah, nah, you gotta give her money. And I'm like, why? And he goes, oh, because she'll curse you. And he was basically telling me that there's this group of people who, do you know about this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've got to give them money. So they yeah. turn up at weddings and they yep. say, if they curse the wedding, give mm -hmm. us 10 grand or we're cursing <laughs> the wedding and they'll go and give them 10 grand. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. They're called kusri. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so for us, we can laugh about this, right? But, you know, when you're so absorbed into a culture and into yeah. a system, the fear is it's real for those yeah. people. Um, I don't believe in that. I think that no, we have, we've that. got our, we've got the, our <laughs> own strength to be able to cleanse energy. So if yeah. somebody does, you know, try to put a curse or some other shit on you. Yeah. You've got the capacity within you yeah. to connect with your inner strength yeah, to no cleanse that. Yeah, no one can that. put a curse on me. But I'll put my do. curse on me. <laughs> you do. <laughs> if I'm going to put, if everyone's putting a curse on me, it'll be me. <laughs> but these guys, like, they'll go and extort people. That's yeah. exact. If they know that there's a wedding happening, yeah. they're going to turn up with their crew. Yeah. And that's what they'll do. Yeah. Pay us X my amount. My cousin was scared. Otherwise, we're going to give you yeah. a curse and their marriage is going to fall apart. Yeah. And nobody, or they ne they'll never have kids. Yeah. That's what they'll say. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, it's a great like, business model. It's a great business model. It's a, it's a win-win that, isn't it? Give us money. If you don't, you fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs>